Hello, my name is Christopher Kakuyo Sensei, and I am the practice leader of the Salt Lake Buddhist Fellowship. Our fellowship is made up of folks from all walks of American life. We are an American Buddhist Sangha. Our fellowship is lay-led, all-inclusive, non-discriminating, and transsectarian Sangha, influenced by the Pure Land Buddhist tradition and the teachings of Gyome and Koyo Kabose. Our organization focuses on the universal teachings of Gautama Buddha, the historical Buddha, and the mythic Buddha, Amida. Our approach follows the teachings of the Way of Oneness, a unique form of American Buddhism developed by Venerable Reverend Gyome Kabose, based on Shin Buddhist tenets. What you are about to hear are some Dharma talks from our local fellowship gatherings. Also, we want to invite you to our summer retreat, which is August 19th through 21st. Tickets are available on our website, saltlakebuddhist.org. Enjoy the Dharma talk. Namo Amida Bodsu. For today's Dharma talk, the title is, um, I kind of struggled with the title and struggled with the topic. And um, at first, um, it was very highbrow, talking about nothingness and anatta in um, Buddhism. And then it got a little more practical. <laughs> um, but more about this idea of doing nothing as a skillful action the skillful action of doing nothing. Now, um, there's definitely time to do something to act. Right now, the list is sadly long. But that's a different Dharma talk. For this Dharma talk, we're going to talk about the skillful use of nothing, of doing nothing. So I'm going to start by saying that there are many times in our everyday lives when we act, when we probably should do nothing. That our actions actually make things worse. <laughs> That's the story of my life. My problems for years has that I've run around trying to fix things now, make things right now. It's, it's funny, for a long time, I dreamt of being a hay farmer of all things. Um, I love the smell of hay in the morning. I love the big spaces, especially like central Utah. I love to be a hay farmer down in central Utah. Um, but the funny thing is that I'd be a horrible farmer. Uh, and one of the reasons is I would go out to the field every day and every night, and I'd be asking myself, are they growing? Is the hay growing? I just can't do nothing. And I could see myself overwatering, over fertilizing. And I know that because I've done that in my relationships. I could see myself going down the rows, pulling up a plant here and there, looking at the roots to see if it's getting longer. I'd be a poor hay farmer. Now, what I want to do is I want to share a story, not about a farmer, but about a young monk, a young monk. Um, who's struggling. And it's one of my favorite Zen stories. So here's the story. 
a young monk is struggling and he goes to his master to get some advice. He's really struggling. And, and this young monk, I pretty much identify with, and maybe you will too. So he's going to his master to get help. And he says to his master, where in the three, where, when the three worlds threaten me, what shall I do? Danto answered, sit down. I do not understand, said the young monk. Ganto, his master said, pick up and bring me that mountain to me. Then I will tell you. End of story. So you can just see that poor monk, you know, going to his master and saying, hey, I'm, I'm having a really hard time. Um, the three worlds are threatening me and the three worlds are the world of form the world of thought and the world of desire, basically everything. And he's coming to the master for help. And in my own translation, which I've done extensive translations, the young monk says to Ganto, the master, I'm at my wit's end. What the hell am I supposed to do? And Ganto looks at him right in the face and he simply says, sit down. Can you imagine? I mean, I don't think uh, that's what he was expecting from his master. He probably was even more confused because when he asked his master, he was already sitting down. So let's put ourselves in the monk's shoes. What was he looking for from Ganto? So from my perspective, and as I was preparing the Dharma talk, the monk was asking the master, how do I fix this? This being overwhelmed with life, which is really easy right now. The young monk was like so many of us who are trying to fix our lives. And what is it about us Westerners that we have to fix everything we need to fix the situation. We need to fix ourselves. We need to fix other people to be more like us. If we can just find the right answer, the right formula, then everything's going to work out. I'm going to get everything I need, everything I want. I'm going to be loved, accepted, and safe. I just got to figure out that formula, what I need to do to fix this. And then once we have that thing, maybe there was something that fixed it for a moment. Now, what happens is we tenaciously hang on to that formula and we carry it with us throughout our lives. We won't let go of it. And we think to ourselves, which is funny, even when it doesn't work, we keep thinking to ourselves, if I just keep doing this long enough, this formula, it's going to work out. I just know it's going to work out over and over and over again, no matter how many times we fail, we get so attached to this perceived formula to give me everything I'm going to need that it's hard to let go. And, and this is where the tangle is, that ev even when they don't work, we keep doing them. We're addicted to the need to fix, the need to create a formula to have the answer. Let's go back to the Cohen. Kiyome Kabose sensei writes about this koan in his book on Zen koans, where he writes, quote, 
The three worlds are neither good nor bad. They are neither right or wrong. They are neither threatened nor are they favorably disposed. The three worlds are just there. Things come and things go beyond our control. Rain, wind, heat, cold, meeting, separating, growing old, dying. These are the realities of life and one must face them regardless, end quote. So I see the monk asking Ganto, what should I do? And Ganto's response was, sit down. And that, <laughs> when most of us see that, it's saying, sit down, do nothing. Not terribly satisfying, if you think about it. One aspect of this, ultimately, is that it's a matter of perspective. When we are attached to fixing things, fixing situations, what are we saying about at the core about the situation, the person, the thing? We're saying it's not right, it's broken. The more we get attached to this perspective that everything's broken that needs to be fixed, we can even become more intractable. We can be we can be very difficult. The more zealous in our need to fix things, we don't know what the monk's situation was, but we do know what ours are. For many things in life, there are no clear-cut answers, no nice, easy-to-remember formulas. The more we try to force a solution, the more problems we have. Have you ever done that? What does it look like? I like this quote. Um, our thinking becomes disturbed by trying to force a solution. And we become irritable and unresponsive without even knowing it. End quote. And in this unreasonableness, we close ourselves off from improvis improvisation. We miss that one thing that could have helped us see clearer. We say every Sunday, nothing to do, no one to be. This is the heart of our Sunday affirmation. There is nothing to do because all the doing gets in the way of our awakening. By not doing so, I slowly come to see that when I am trying to fix is not something that needs to be fixed, but fully experienced. Disclaimer. That being said, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that we don't try to make situations better. Of course we do. And doing so is much of our aspiration about following the Buddha way. To help us do that, we want to learn the difference between helping and fixing. Fixing is something different. It's about control. It's about trying to make the world into our image of what it should be or look like. Helping is more about presence and not arguing with reality. Only when we see the world as it is, can we really help. 
What I'm trying to say is that most things that we are trying to fix, we can't. And the things that we can, we don't. Let me say that again. What I'm trying to say is that most of the things that we are trying to fix, we can't. And the things we can, we don't. It's important to know the difference. Many times we do nothing to avoid obvious solutions. How many of us said, I know I should do this, but I'm not doing it. And I think it's because it'd be hard or scary or really uncomfortable or make us face the reality of our situation. For, for us, for our, our collective, cultural, historical karma, being uncomfortable is very difficult for us. It's difficult for us to sometimes change what needs to be changed because it's uncomfortable. As they say, everything you want, you really want, is outside your comfort zone. You're not going to find it in your comfort zone. I think we do this simply because of fear of the reality of how little control we really have or unwill our unwillingness to just really look at how things are really are because it may tear apart our stories. So many things we ask for an answer don't have an answer. And how many times do we ask an answer that we really don't want the answer to? It reminds me of the AA prayer. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. I want to share this quote with you from Brianna West. She writes, wanting to help people feel better most of the time comes from a place of well-meaning. However, few people realize that not only are they not responsible for fixing anybody else, but it's impossible altogether. Mostly when we are fixing someone or something, we're not coming from the place of equals. I remember realizing this years ago, my own personal caretaking always placed me above the other person being helped. I was lifting them up. They were below me, needing me to bring them up to my level. This kind of relationship supported by keeping this kind of dynamic is going to get you stuck. So in reality, no one is broken after all. Maybe it's just we're all dealing with deep acknowledged or unacknowledged woundedness. When I tried to fix my mom so many years ago, I thought I could come up with the right words. If I could, I could make everything okay. And when I couldn't, I felt powerless, which carried a lot into my adult life. 
I became a poet at nine years old trying to help my mom feel better and not hurt. And my secret childhood crime was that I could not fix my mother. It's because I didn't realize that fixing and healing are two very different things and that it wasn't my responsibility to fix my mom. It took me years to realize what Pema Chodron teaches when she writes, quote, compassion is not a relationship between the healer and the wounded. It's a relationship between equals. Only when we know our own darkness well can we be present with the darkness of another. Compassion becomes real when we recognize our shared humanity. End quote. When the monk asked Danto what to do, the monk was asking how to fix it. And I think Gato knew there was no fixing it. Giving him an answer wouldn't have helped. Giving him a technique wouldn't have helped. But showing him a way to heal whatever woundedness inside of him was giving rise to that fear within him. Doing nothing was the answer. Tibetan meditation master Dozong Sarkinti Repoche has written, quote, meditation is one of the rare occasions where we're not doing anything. Otherwise, we're always doing something. We're always thinking about something. We're always occupied. We get lost in a million of obsessions and fixations. But by meditating, by not doing anything, all these fixations are revealed and our obsessions will naturally undo themselves like a snake uncoiling itself. End quote. We are obsessed with the need to work things out. The monk said, I do not understand, or in today's vernacular, what? What do you mean? Just sit, do nothing? I gotta do something. So Ganto gave him something to do. Bring me that mountain over there. Bring me that mountain and bring it back. Gave him something to do. But what do you think Ganto's saying to that, that monk with that line? Can you actually bring a mountain? Of course not. Although I know I'd probably try to figure out a way to with hydraulics and mining equipment and earth moving equipment that somehow I could move it. And then I'd say, well, no, you can't bring a mountain. You can't bring a mountain to Gato. And I think here's the insight to Gato's response. Noticing life requires a stillness of body and mind. The only real response is to sit. This is not inaction. The paradox is that by letting go of the need to fix, we can finally start seeing things differently, experiencing things more broadly. We change our relationship with the three worlds. They're just there, as Reverend Guillaume Kabosi said. They're neither good nor bad. They're just there. We can start to exist with them instead of looking for a formulaic response to them. 
we can develop a more intuitive and acceptive response to the challenges we are facing. And I'd like you to try a little experiment going through this next week. When you feel like you have to act, I have to do something. This response to fix, ask yourself, I could also do nothing, couldn't I? I could just sit. And in that gap between stimulus and the response, allow that nothingness in that gap its space and consideration. In my practice, it's not my sadness, my woundedness that needs to be fixed. It is something that needs to be experienced. When we sit quietly, whether in meditation or not, with sadness, disappointment, whatever else of the three worlds that threatens us, and just feel it without having to fix it. That's when healing has an opportunity to come. Maybe our need to be heard and seen is really just the shadow of our wounded self simply needed needing to be seen and heard. I love this quote from Pascal, the 16th century French philosopher. It should be on a t-shirt, I think. Quote, all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. End quote. When we sit down, when we choose to do nothing over having to do something, we are practicing non-attachment. We are accepting our current experience as it is. In this way, as Guillaume Cabose Sensei teaches, quote, acceptance is transcendence. Let these three worlds come and these three worlds go, recognizing the impossible, like picking up a mountain and just being yourself. Acceptance is our liberation, end quote. So next time you find yourself threatened by the three worlds and you busy yourself trying to fix it, remember the words of Ganto. Sit down. Namo Amida Butsu. Okay, I'd like to turn the time over to the community to share any thoughts, anything that comes up in your mind um, in regards to this Dharma talk. Any questions you might have? Catherine, bowing in. Good to see everyone. Yeah. Um, this is just so perfect for parents, especially parents of teenagers. <laughs> they need to hold back and stop trying to control their kids anymore. <laughs> so I'm listening. I'm all ears. <laughs> I'm Michael bowing in. Uh, thank you, Christopher. That was 
that was very much what I needed to hear. And unfortunately, you weren't here a couple weeks ago when I gave people the update on my situation. Um, I beat the stage two cancer. Unfortunately, it metastasized to my lungs. It's now stage four. So for the last, since end of April, doing nothing, that's all I do. (laughs) Um, And when you said, when you do nothing, that's when the healing starts. I was in tears here. I was like, that's what I needed to hear. Um, Because I'm sitting, when I'm doing nothing, I'm like, how do I fight this after that first fight that I just went through and beat? I feel I beat for all intents and purposes. And now when I'm doing nothing, which I'm very good at right now, um, the only thing I control is where I do my nothing. Um, At least I'll have that to think, hey, this is where the healing starts. Um, No matter how tough it gets, um, this is this is where it starts. So thank you very much. Good morning, everyone. Uh, yeah, wow. Um, first off, Michael, you always touch my heart. Sorry for crosstalk, but I do love you <laughs> so much. Um, this was huge for me today, too, so on point. And a few things that really um, struck me um, that make sense right now is fixing and healing are two very different things. And just thinking of, you know, with fixing is such an act and doing, but the healing is, is the experience. Um, and, and noticing life requires a stillness of body and mind. And before you said that, I've just been sitting here thinking like some of the moments where it's so powerful or things feel right. Or when I, um, I was thinking of some moments where I admire people and what is it about in that moment where they seem in the zone and, and that when that sure footing and confidence comes when you're still with the breath often and, and in that slow motion, like as a self-affirmation that I've had the past two weeks or, or mantra, this thought is um, to invite a passionate calm and, and that wherever I'm at, if it's on the mountain hike or, or wherever, but just thinking of that, inviting a passionate calm, like what things bring that vibration that I want to feel where is that life force yet I'm calm in, with it and it's it's kind of created just a different dialogue and feeling sense of being lately um for myself that has felt great and this i'm so happy everyone has been um on this morning and, and christopher that's so cool 
that again, it seems like so often when we're here, whoever's doing the talk and when I'm on it, just seems like they're on point with what it, what's going on. And I hear other people say that, and it's such an interesting synchronicity that we, we get to share this together. And I'm so excited to be in person. Oh my gosh, next week. That's so cool. Um, sending love to everyone. And again, gratitude in case I didn't mention how grateful I am again, I'm so grateful. So thank you. Um, I'll get them. Um, thank you for that talk. Um, very also on point for me. Um, thank you to, to those who've um, shared already. I'm sitting here doing nothing as well. I finally caught the Rona. I was like so proud of myself. It was a weird kind of pride. I was like, ah, I made it two years. I, you know, <laughs> I'm sitting here doing nothing trying to think of what I can do in this state. And yesterday I did too much. And I woke up this morning paying for it and not listening to like, if I'm still and I'm with myself, I can sort of figure out what my body needs to heal. But I'm like, what a great time to catch up on a whole bunch of projects I've put off or whatever. Uh, and I find when I, like, like when I hear a talk like this, I'm like, I'm totally going to start doing that after I get all this shit done. <laughs> you know, like the list is going to end and there's nothing to do. So then I can be still. And that never happens. <laughs> um, I think for me, it's having a, a list of things to do and then being like, okay, yeah. When the time, there's a time to act, but being more um, deliberate maybe about it. Um, instead of just frantic. So thank you. Um, I needed that. And my body needed it. <laughs> so much love to you and, and the song. Any final comments before we go ahead and go to the close of our gathering? Thank you, Tig. Thank you, Edda. Okay. Namo Amida Butsu. Let's go to our fellowship closing on page 27.
May the merit of this ceremony adorn the Buddha's pure lands, bring forth the fourfold kindnesses, and relieve the suffering of life's paths. As we leave and conclude this gathering, we surround all people and all forms of life with infinite love and compassion. May the sound of this bell ring throughout the universe, awakening all beings to joy and equanimity. May all beings be peaceful. May all beings be happy. May all beings be safe. May all beings awaken to the light of Amida Buddha. May all beings be free. Namo Amida Butsu. Namo Amida Butsu. Okay, everyone. Um, some announcements. Uh, you may see it on Facebook. Um, it will be posted later today on the website. But we are moving to a meeting in person. Now, for all those who can't meet in person, don't worry. We're going to continue to offer our services online um, as we do currently. We'll just be doing it from our in-person location. So for those in the local community that can attend, we'll be able to meet in person. Those who are too far away will still be able to attend via Zoom. Um, and in addition, come see us sometime. So that will be wonderful. That will be starting our first in-person session will be August 7th. Um, it's going to be on 150th South State Street in downtown Salt Lake City. It used to be called The Hub. It's now called Salt City Spaces. Um, I posted a video and a few images of what the space kind of looks like. Before we meet on uh, the 7th, we're going to go in there. We're going to move all the chairs out, put our altrups, and put the cushions down so you can get a feel for what the space will look like. Um, it's got really good energy. It's got some good natural light. It's got high ceilings. Um, so we're really excited for the space. Also, right connected to that is a coffee shop and a little bakery. They're not open on Sundays, but we're going to change that. We're going to get enough of our attendees to come that they'll be open for four hours and we can get done and we can just go have coffee and they have really good scones, um, nice small business. Um, so that's the future. But we'll be downtown. Uh, there's some close coffee shops downtown. So we'll be looking at uh, kind of get people's feelings about Dharma Coffee. Do we still want to continue doing it in person and doing it online every other week? How do we want to do it? And so those are some things that we'll figure out over the next couple of weeks. Um, but that's happening. Um, and there'll be, I'm going to put a survey monkey up on um, Facebook 
regarding how we want as a community, how we want to approach um, COVID protocols and meeting together. So be looking for that and there'll be a series of questions and some place to put in some comments. Um, and that will give uh, the board and trustees and myself uh, the information to be able to, to make an informed decision. Okay, so be looking for that. Um, next announcement is retreat. <laughs> Retreat's coming up really soon and uh, it's August 18th. And we would really like to get as many people to come join us. I know there was uh, there might be some hesitation because last year in the cancellation we had last year, we will not be canceling this year unless the Forest Service comes in and says it's unsafe because the trees are so bad. Um, and if that would happen, everybody would get an immediate refund and all the refunds are handled by Eventbrite. So it just goes right back to you. But that won't be happening this year. And we're ready to have an amazing retreat, a great opportunity to come together again um, in that great space, which is really sacred space for our community, having had um, three retreats up there. And to be able to come together in silence as a community um, in a very um, beautiful and intimate way to deepen our practice and our connection to one another. So if you want to come, please come. Don't let money be an object. If you're struggling, we have, we have work scholarships. Because um, right now I know finances are a little difficult please um, go into the ticket, pay what I can and pay what you can. Um, so go to the website, go to Eventbrite, check out the tentative schedule of what we're gonna be doing so you can get a feel for what we're doing. Um, one of my favorite parts is uh, early morning meditation where we just sit and we watch the sun rise together. And then we do the same thing for sunset meditation. It's one of my favorite parts of retreat. Um, so, um, just go up there and come join and buy some tickets. Um, I did put a poll up there for our Tenzin, our, our temple cook. Uh, she does need a, a kind of a baseline on how many people are going to be attending. Even if you haven't purchased your ticket yet, if you can do that poll on Facebook, that does give me some information that I can give to her in planning meals and how we're going to do that. Okay. Okay. Um, also too, we're now a 5013C, most of you, a C3, most of you have seen that, um, that's wonderful. And, um, that's going to be a, a benefit for us in the long run. It will also be a benefit to you because it makes all your donations tax deductible and it makes it a lot easier for you to do that tax deduction. So just be aware of that and also spread the news about the retreat. They, people do not have to be a member of the fellowship to attend family members that want to attend with you, please bring them. Uh, just let them know about noble silence <laughs> and uh, you're not going to be able to be chatting when you're not meditating and, and thinking and workshopping. We're quiet and it's fun and it's hard. So make sure they're aware of that part, but please invite them, bring them. Okay. Um, okay. So uh, morning meditation. We still have morning meditation every morning, every weekday morning at 7 a.m. and every Saturday at 8 a.m. The links are on Facebook and on our website. So everyone is welcome. Come sit with us. We have a little time for conversation or to talk about the, the 
this week's um, Dharma talk or anything you want. Uh, we do a little ritual. And so come and join us uh, for that little hour or so uh, any, any morning, every morning. Thank you, Sharon. And Dharma Coffee today, Rachel. Uh, today, Dharma Coffee will be live. We will be um, meeting at Toasters on 33rd and about 1630 um, East. So um, we'd love to see you there. If you're unable to come, we will have Dharma Coffee on Zoom next week. But if you're coming this week, love to see you. It'll be at 1230 and they have a great menu. So you don't even have to eat before you come. Come get a lunch with us. And uh, our book club, we're doing our um, Haiku Mind book club. And thank you for everybody who attended last Sunday, last, excuse me, last Tuesday. Last Tuesday was our uh, orientation. So we're just kind of going over how the class was going to work. Um, we'll review it again when we meet on Tuesday. All the details are on the website and um, on Facebook. Um, you can get the pages we're reading and we're going to have some fun activities. And even if you haven't read it yet, please come. Uh, the book is great. It's got very short chapters, um, one haiku every couple of pages where it just gives a beautiful haiku and then it kind of talks about it in forms of awareness practice. Um, art is a form of awareness practice and um, haiku is a beautiful art form. Uh, Sharon and I are, are hosting that and Sharon is back. We missed her last Tuesday. Welcome back, um, our Sharon. And we look forward. So if you haven't come, please come join us, attend. Any other um, comments, announcements from the community? Anybody is like a big ice sculpture person, mud wrestler? <laughs> okay, so mark on your calendars, August 7th for our in-person meeting. Come, be square. Um, or, and also our retreat, August 18th, 19th, and 20th. Um, love to start hearing from you and love to see you there. Retreat is actually 1920. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Dates. Too many of them. <laughs> Namo Amida Butsu. Have a beautiful Sunday. Mm -hmm.